Um, okay, you guys just sat down, but uh, sorry to do that again. If you want to stand with me, we're actually going to take a moment to pray together. We're going to pray for, hang on, nope. We're going to pray for the country of Ukraine. We're going to pray for Russia. We're going to pray for peace. Yeah, you got, how many know what we face on this earth? We're not fighting a war against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And there are dominions of darkness in this world. And we know that so many of the Russian people do not want this war. They do not want to be any part of this. And I just feel like God, the Prince of Peace, wants to rule and reign. So let's just lift up our hands, stretch our hands out right now. Yeah, we have um, 20 Catch the Fire churches in the Ukraine. We have four in Russia and one in Belarus. And there are people there that are, they're scared, but they're full of faith. And we want to join with them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Holy Spirit, right now, we just speak, we just speak right now to Europe, God. We speak to the Ukraine and we ask Holy Spirit that the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace would rule and reign over there right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask God just that every dominion of darkness, any work of the enemy that would try to come in and attack, steal, kill, destroy, separate, um, and just bring havoc right now, we command it to go in the name of Jesus. And we speak right now, Holy Spirit, that you have the last word. Jesus, you have the last word and that you are the God of mercy. You are the God of justice. And right now, we pray for the people of the Ukraine. We pray pray for the people of Russia, God, and we ask that you would protect them, that you would surround their families, God, that the people that want to get out, God, that you would help them get out, the people that want to stay, God, that you would give them strength and might in their spirits right now in the name of Jesus, and we lift up the churches to you, Jesus. We lift up your bride to you, and we say, God, have mercy on them in Jesus' name. Strengthen them. Strengthen them in their numbers, God. Comfort them. The Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus, when he said that the Holy Spirit was going to um, come and it was going to be better than if Jesus was there. He said, if I don't go, the comforter will not come to you. And this is the name that Jesus chose in some of the translations to say the, who the Holy Spirit was. And he is our comforter. And I ask right now that the comforter himself would reveal himself to the people of the Ukraine right now in the name of Jesus, that they would feel surrounded, they would feel protected, and they would feel your peace in the name of Jesus that surpasses all understanding. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. So this wasn't in my notes, but if you, if you want to give at all, Catch the Fire World has pledged to give $50,000 to the people, their churches. Um, and if you want to give, you can write on an envelope or something, Ukraine, or do missions in the Dropbox, and we'll make sure that that all goes towards that. Oh, all right. So this morning... We're going to get straight into the word, and then I'll, I'll give some context to this first. But if you want to open your books to Haggai, chapter 2. And before we start this, I just want to say, last week when we made the announcement um, about Aaron and I becoming lead pastors this summer, and I just want to say thank you so much for the outpouring of love and support that we've received from all of you guys. Um, Aaron's not here this morning. He's at home not feeling well and with the kids who also are not feeling well. But we just feel so much love. We've had messages all week long of people just saying, how can we support you? How can we pray for you? And we're just excited for the future. So thank you, everyone. Really excited for what God's going to do. 
All right, Haggai 2, verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Who needs, a, who needs God to speak to you today? Amen. He said, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and ask them. You know, sometimes God speaks in questions, and we want answers, and God comes in with a question. And this is what he says in verse 3. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. But now be strong, Zerubbabel. But now be strong, Joshua. But now be strong, the people. Because God, he doesn't promise us an absence of our struggle, of struggle, but he promises to be with us in the midst of that struggle. And he uses the prophet Haggai to come and encourage the people and say, be strong. I am the God Almighty who was with you in Egypt and I am with you right now. I am the God who brought you out of captivity, who brought you out of Babylon Again, brought you out of captivity twice, and I'm here, and I am with you now. And he says, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. Then verse 5, this is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. So the context of this verse is Haggai... He's coming to encourage the people because they are rebuilding their temple. They have been in exile for over 50 years, and now they're out of Babylon, and they're coming to restore where they live, the temple, their homes. And he's encouraging them. And a lot of them, they were discouraged, and they were remembering the old temple and what God had done. There was about 60,000 Jews who were left in this remnant. And most of the people of the older generation had died off. And so a lot of them, there was a few of the older generation who had lasted the 50 years in exile, and they had seen Solomon's temple. They had seen the temple of gold. They had seen all the jewels and the extravagance of it all. And Haggai comes to encourage them because they become distracted and they become discouraged. And the, how they become distracted is when they came out of Babylon, they went straight to building their own homes. And God was like, but what about my temple? What about my dwelling place? You've gotten distracted from your priorities because you should be building me a temple. And instead, you're building your own home. Yeah. And they've gotten comfortably settled 
and they're looking, they're coming back to their homeland and their priorities are out of order. You know, probably doesn't happen to you guys. You probably never get distracted. Anyone? <laughs> I mean, I, I pull out my phone to read my Bible and a text message comes in. Anyone relate? <laughs> And then that text message makes you think about another text message you forgot to send. And then before you know it, you're on like a deep, dark hole in the Instagram world looking up like elephant sanctuaries in Thailand. I don't know if this happens to you, but it does to me. Um, <laughs> or like it'll be late at night and I'm telling Aaron about this rare disease. That this, like it's really sad. And, and this child, and he's like, why are you telling me this before I'm about to go to bed? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I clicked it. I just got down this dark rabbit hole. <laughs> And there might be, there's times in our lives, and I feel like especially now of just, we're coming out of two years of, I was thinking about this, it has been two years that I've like worn a mask everywhere I've gone. <laughs> two years. And a lot of us, things have been different. Maybe we started new jobs. Maybe we lost our jobs. Maybe our families have moved. Maybe um, we're moving. God's shaking things. And we're, we're like the Jewish people where we're looking for a new blueprint. Because they needed a new blueprint. They're back here at square one. They're back out of Babylon. And they're looking for the new blueprint. The new template of what God's going to do. And there are some of us in this room where we're looking to God right now for a new template for our lives. But we're getting distracted or discouraged in that. And this is where Jesus or uh, Haggai comes to encourage. And we can take that encouragement for ourselves today. Because they're looking out at the city that, they, that used to be their home. And it's a mess. The infrastructure is down because when the Babylonians came and took them out of captivity or into captivity, they destroyed everything that was left. So imagine you've been away for 50 years and you come back to your homeland and it's nothing. It's rubble. The gold temple is nothing. And I can just imagine the hopelessness that you would feel. I have one of my best friends. She works, um, her and her husband, they live in the Middle East. I can't even say where they live. Um, but they work with refugees, 500,000 refugees. And their homeland was, is literally destroyed. It's nothing. And the discouragement that these people face every day is just immense. <clears throat> and in the middle of this mess, in the middle of all of looking out at all of this, God sends the messenger Speak to the remnant, the 60,000 Jews that are left. We have to learn to focus on what's left and not what's lost. Otherwise, we will get distracted and discouraged. And that's why he sends someone to encourage and say, look at what's left and what is not lost. Speak to the remnant. Look at who's still here. Verse 3, who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Sometimes our past, what we remember, just like those, those few people that had seen the old temple, they remember it for what it was, and we look at our past, and we, sometimes we can kind of glorify the past. We actually don't remember what it really was like, and we get caught up in it, or maybe we get caught up more in discouragement of a situation that we thought it was like that, and then turns out wasn't actually how it happened. <laughs> or we've been in a horrible relationship and we blame that person and then you know seven relationships later they're still the problem and you're like hmm maybe maybe 
Or we look to the future and we idolize what it could be. What could God do? And he can do all of that. But when we look to the past or we look to the future, we don't remain in what God's doing right now. And Haggai is saying, but be strong now, Joshua. Be strong now, Zerubbabel. Be strong now, the people. In this moment, be strong. In this moment, have faith. In this moment, what am I going to do? Look at the remnant. Look at what I'm going to do. So I want you to turn with me to Ezra 3. So Ezra 3 actually happened after Haggai, but in the Bible, it's chronologically out of order. Go figures, right? So Ezra 3, verse 10, okay? When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets, so now Haggai's, Haggai's come, he's sent the message of encouragement, and now the builders are laying the foundation of the temple of the Lord. The, trees, the priests in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. Verse 11. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of shouts of joy from the sound of weeping, because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So the people are here, the temple's being laid, and they're like, oh my gosh, we're getting a temple, we're getting a temple, come on, this is happening, we're getting a temple. Remember our grandfather, he would tell us the stories of the, the atonement and the fire and the holy of holies and the sacrifice, and it was amazing, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> and they start praying, playing these trumpets and praising God over the progress that they saw. This isn't like... The walls haven't gone up. The roof isn't there. There's no kitchen. There's no, like, marble countertops. There's nothing. It's just a foundation. And they're like, yeah, we're getting a temple. Because <laughs> we have to learn to praise God over the progress and not just the final product. And we have to learn to praise God over every trimester, which is my third today, <laughs> not just over the birth. We have to learn to praise God at the five-yard line, not just at the touchdown. We have to learn to praise him even when we're in the midst of unemployment, not just when we're financially stable. We have to learn to praise God over the progress that we see and not just over the final product. But then the people, <laughs> they couldn't distinguish the noise because there was celebration, but there was also devastation. And there was expectation, and then there was disappointment. And this, this morning, what I felt like God was saying is that I'm giving you a new template for your life, or I'm, giving, I'm, I'm reaffirming, if not giving a new one, template for where I have you right now and what God is doing right now. But we can't weep over the past. Otherwise, we'll miss what he's doing now, and we'll miss what he's going to do. 
because there was trumpets and there was tears at the same time, but no one could tell what was happening. No one could tell. One voice was saying, this is amazing. And the other ones were like, this isn't like the old temple. This isn't like Solomon's temple. There's no gold here. There's nothing here. And it took 16 years from when that foundation was laid for them to actually build the temple because they got stuck in that place of disappointment and discouragement. And at some point, the discouragement and the disappointment starts to drown out the faith that was in that moment, right? Because there was the partying, there was the, the trumpets and the dancing and the celebrating, but then it took 16 years. So at some point, the disappointment started to drown out the faith of the people. And now, we're not building a physical temple, but our bodies, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, as I, as I shared back in January when I preached. And so, what is it in our temple that's drowning out the faith? What is it that we are listening to that's making us not even look around and see what God is doing right now? We have to be strong right now in the season that God has us right now. Otherwise, we'll miss what God's going to do. And we have to, and the title of my message, what I felt like was, be, be strengthened now in God. Like, but now be strong in God. But now, strengthen yourself in God. Because wishing that the temple would be built is not going to build the temple. And wanting the temple to be built is not going to make it happen. And waiting is not going to happen. But God says when he's talking to the people, he says, but get to work. But work. Work at it. And I will build the temple don't let those things replace what God is doing now. Don't let wishing replace what God is doing now. Don't let looking at what he's, you know, what he did in the past replace what he's doing now. But now be strong because it's not going to be what it was. That temple that they ended up building eventually, it wasn't like Solomon's temple. It was actually two to three times bigger than Solomon's temple. It didn't have as much gold, but it had the glory. Because he says that, it says, says in that verse, it says... Where is it? I'm going to find it. <laughs> it says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace. And so it, he, they're right. It's not going to look like Solomon's temple, but it's going to be better than Solomon's temple. It's going to have more glory of the Lord. And often we... we we miss what God is doing because maybe we're even missing people that God took out of our lives. Or we're, we're holding on to that old job or that old thing. And God's like, you're going to miss the better if you look back. And so we have to change our frame of reference. Because the, the people, when they were just looking at the foundation, right? They weren't looking at the finished product. But they changed their frame of reference. And... They were in t there was t not two different foundations that they were looking at. They were looking at the same foundation that was laid, but they just had two different points of reference. One the tears, one the trumpet. And so where is our frame of reference? You know, when, you, when you've been in a place so low, you learn to value joy. The things that we might take for granted when you've been in that place, you don't take it for granted anymore. When you've been someone who was on 
a ventilator in the ICU with COVID, you don't ever take for granted the automatic breath that comes in your lungs. When you've been in a place of depression and you've been so low, you learn how valuable joy and happiness are. But the bottom shows us where we can build. But if we stay at the bottom, that's where the danger is. That's what Ezra 3 was, where they were staying in the bottom. They were staying in their disappointment for 16 years. And God's like, come out of that. Come out of that. Come now be strong. Come now see what I'm doing. Come now. Come and look at this foundation and celebrate. Have expectation. You know, before COVID, in this, as a church, we, I felt like there was, there was so much momentum. It was like people coming, and I feel like we're getting that back of, again as we're coming out of this. But it was like every week there was new people and, um, and new numbers and, what, you know, whatever you have. It, testimonies all the time. And it was such an incredible place. And then all of a sudden they're like, the world is shut down. And we're all like, What? And for a lot of people, they're like, COVID didn't really change much for me. For the church, it changed a lot. Changed a lot across the entire, like, world. It was something like 40% of pastors left as pastors during COVID because it was just too much. When we, um, in February, we had, like, an executive team meeting where we sat down. It was, like, a two-hour-long meeting, and it was about this virus that had broken out in China, and what would we do if it happened? And I remember leaving that meeting and just being totally honest here. I was like, that was the biggest waste of two hours of my life. That'll never happen. Like, there's no way that they're going to shut down our world and our life. And then I was like, two years later, I'm still wearing a mask. Um, And (laughs) I took for granted hugging people. I took for granted seeing their smiles. I walked into my kids' preschool the other day, and their teachers, for the first time in two years, were not wearing their masks. And I said, it is so good to see your smile. Like, I love your smile. I missed your smile. And there were things that, in the midst of it, I learned to take for granted. Even being up here on this stage and looking out, we, were, we had, like, a camera and lighting and everything set up in our bedroom for four months. <laughs> Being able to talk to people and interact, things that we took for granted that we didn't know that was something so special. But then, you know, we come back together, and again, my frame of reference, maybe I'm stood there grumbling, I have to wear a mask now. I have to go to the store with a mask. I'm pregnant and I can't breathe. I'm trying to run at the gym and I can't breathe. <laughs> And we start grumbling about it. My makeup is smudged because of my mask. Aaron's like, I don't want to wear a mask because of my beard. He's like, every time I take off my mask, my beard is like a bush. He's (laughs) (laughs) Our frame of reference. I'm like, but babe, remember when we were in our room and we couldn't even leave? Oh, and we had a baby and like no one could meet our baby? And your family couldn't meet your child for 18 months? What is our frame of reference? What is God saying? He's saying, stop crying and blow your trumpet. (laughs) Ever had one of those rebuke sandwiches from God? He's like, I love you, but don't do this ever again. But I love you. (laughs) He's like, stop crying, people of Israel, and blow your trumpet. 
We have to be grateful with what God has given you. And last week, Ash, she was talking, which you did amazing last week, by the way. Let's give Ash a hand. That was an amazing message. She was preaching with fire. <laughs> oh. she, was, she was also talking about comparison and how comparison just, it robs us. You know, and we look at social media and we look at someone's life and we wish we had them. And compared to some people, my life is so, so blessed. I have so much. And then compared to other people, I have nothing. And there's some people that we look at and we envy their lives and we don't know that they're actually trying to, they're hiding things from people that they would never know and they would give anything to have your life. And that's the thing about comparison is it robs us from what God is doing in our lives right now. And our comparisons are killing us. In that way, I know my dad hates that word. (laughs) And we actually don't even deserve the foundation that he's given us, let alone the temple. We don't even deserve the foundation because the mercy we're walking in the gifts he's given us, the breath in our lungs, the grace that we've received, none of that is deserved, none of it. And when we, when we change our frame of reference and we say, actually, I'm comparing my life to others, I'm looking at the past, I'm discouraged where I'm at, my life sucks, my foundation sucks, theirs is bigger than mine. How did they get a bigger foundation than me, hey? <laughs> And God's like, I want you to dance on your foundation. I want you to dance in the midst of unemployment. I want you to dance in the midst of financial stability. I want you to dance on what I have given you. Blow your trumpet. Lift up your voice. Give praise to God. Can we just do that for a second? We just give praise to God right now. God, we glorify you. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've given us. We thank you for this foundation that you put in front of us. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) come on come on tears and trumpets same foundation different frame of reference you know the enemy the enemy comes in to discourage really truly he comes in to discourage and speak lies and speak doubt and reinforce that discouragement and that disappointment Has anyone felt that? Anyone felt that recently? Yeah. I would say um, back towards the the beginning of last year, I I felt that a lot. I felt I was comparing myself to others, comparing my gifts, comparing my leadership to, this is, you guys good with me being vulnerable for a second? Okay. So last year I was like, I felt like the enemy was like, you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes to be a leader. You don't have what it takes to raise your kids. You're a bad mom. You're a bad leader. How are you going to do this? And I was like, you know what, <laughs> enemy? You know what? Hold on a second here. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound like God, right? When, you, when you're like, wait a second, that's not God. I'm a great mom. I'm a great leader. <laughs> And you're like, I may not seem like anybody to you, but to him, I am everything. I might seem like I'm too young, I have too many kids. (laughs) This is all the things that, you know, go through my mind. 
But I'm like, I may, I may not seem like nothing right now, but God has called me. But God is in me. And I know what John says. John says, without him, I can do nothing, right? But with him, I can do all things. Without him, I can do nothing. And guess what? I am not without him. I am with him. I am an instrument of God's. And without the breath, I said this earlier today, I said without the breath of God in that instrument, I'm just a trumpet sitting there looking stupid. But when God breathes in something, when God breathes in your marriage, when God breathes on your ministry, when God breathes on your job, when God breathes in you and says, you, in you with you, you can do, with me, I can do all things through you. Then we become a trumpet in the hand of God and we can just watch, watch what it's gonna do. Watch what God is gonna do. And I said, God, I said to the enemy, I said, without him, I am nothing, but with him, I am everything. And watch what he's gonna do. Watch how he's gonna build his church. Watch how he's gonna build his church across the world. Don't you dare think that you're gonna have your way because we are trumpets in the hands of God. We are instruments, but let him breathe into you. Because without him, we can do nothing but with everything. With him, we can do everything. Oh. So, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. It says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord was, no. Where the spirit of the Lord will be? No. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces, remember they used to have to wear a veil to cover their face so that the glory of God didn't shine on them and kill them. And he's saying now with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's not the old glory. It's not the former glory. It's the glory now. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is that there is freedom. Because he's saying, I am a present God. I'm not just a past God. I'm not just a future God. I am the alpha, the omega, the in-between, the everything. And where my spirit is, there is freedom. And my spirit is in you. My spirit is with you. I am dwelling in you. We have that spirit, that freedom right now. Right now. And we are being transformed and God, the hard part is God, he gives us an image of himself that we are to become like or that we are becoming like. And the enemy tries to distort that and say, no, I'm going to give you the worst case scenarios. I'm going to give you your past mistakes, other people's lives that you're comparing yourself to. And God's like, no, I am transforming you into my image. Not the image of something else or somebody else, but my image. So we have to allow ourselves to be transformed with unveiled faces to look at him, to seek him, and to say, God, transform me into your image with an ever-increasing glory. I want to find your freedom right now, God, right now. So yesterday is over, but now be strong, people of the Lord. Now be strong in what I'm doing.
And, you know, when we start to praise, it says that there was a loud noise, right? It was indistinguishable, all the noise. And when we start to get loud and we start to praise him and we start to begin to take that authority and say, no, not now, devil, and scream (laughs) and say, no, that is not who I am. That is not my past. I am not my past. People might think you look a little stupid. (laughs) But I would rather look stupid shouting and praising than be depressed and crying. Anyone else? Yeah? And we've said this before. If we can scream at the top of our lungs to our favorite Justin Bieber song at his concert or at the touchdown of our Super Bowl you know, Patriots or whatever. That's Aaron's team. He's like, yeah, I'm a Pats fan. Um, anyways, we, <laughs> we sure as heck can praise and shout and glorify and lift up God in everything that we do. Come on, amen? Amen. All right, I want to invite you to stand right now. We're not shouting over the finished product. We're shouting over the foundation that he's given. And I feel like today... God, he wants to reveal the template to us. He wants to show us what he's given us right now. He wants to show us the foundation that we're building towards. The better that he has for us in the future, the better that he has for our families, the better that he has for our jobs, our school, the better that he has for this church. Whatever it is, fill in the blank for your life. Yeah, Holy Spirit. I want to invite, actually, anyone that wants to come up here where you feel like you've gotten stuck in that discouragement or distraction, where you feel like those Jewish people as they're returning to Babylon, and you're like, God, I'm seeking you today for the new template. I'm seeking you for what you're going to do in the future, God, for what you're doing right now. I want to know what you're doing right now. Just come forward. I feel like God is, he's just breathing in us right now. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are transforming us right now into your image, that you are you are bringing breakthrough. You are shaking up. Maybe we felt like there's been that 16 years of waiting or delay or distraction and discouragement. And God's saying, I don't want you to stay in that place. I want you to worship me right now. I want you to lift up your praise right now. I want you to be strong right now. So God, would you strengthen us in our spirits and in our inmost being? Where your spirit is, there is freedom. And we step into that freedom today. We step into what you have for us today. And God, we repent if we have wept when we should have praised. And where we've gotten discouraged and distracted instead of full of expectation and excitement. Forgive us, Lord. And any way that we've compared ourselves to the right or to the left, and we've looked at other people and we've looked at their foundations and we've compared ourselves, Lord, and we have not been grateful with what you've given us right now. We repent for that in Jesus' name. And if you will, just put your hand on your eyes and just say, Holy Spirit, would you give me a new frame of reference? 
Show me what you're doing right now. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Because when we fix our eyes on you, we can never go wrong. We can never stumble or fall. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Just give a few minutes for you guys to receive now.